There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Tumi Esports Capsule. Available on Tumi.com and select Tumi stores. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 141 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We're back in the studio, Heads of Podcast Network, Craig Fitzpatrick. Back, back in the habit, like Whoopi Goldberg. Well, you're about to graduate, so you're getting up on <laughs> that am, stage. Yeah, I'll have my gown on and it'll be very emotional. St. Patrick's Cathedral. People aren't going to go unless they're like a family member. This isn't a gig. <laughs> No, yeah. If, any, really if no, no encore listeners want to come along to yeah. Craig's, please do. All welcome. I think I got two tickets. So obviously, Dahi <laughs> and Dave, you're coming, Thank right? You Screw much. my parents. Yeah. Dahi uh, is also here this week. Hello. No, I get a buzz. I feel like he deserves an applause for getting us into the building through that door. There was some struggles before the show to undo some locks. We're here now. It was like the Krypton Factor. Nice dated reference there for him to enjoy. Trying to get through that door. Coming up on the show. This week, we will have an interview with Proper Micro Envy as he drops his debut album. He's also gigging Whelan's Upstairs on the day of this podcast, dropping Friday the 16th of November, if you're around. And if you're around, actually, that's a late gig. So if you're around and looking for another gig, you can go to the Workman's Club on this very Friday. There's a Chris Cornell uh, tribute night, and it's a fundraiser for Aware taking place in the Workman's Club around about 8 o'clock, I think it is. There's DJs, there's acts, and, you know, you get to raise some money for a really good cause. So go to that if you're looking for something to do on a Friday. Uh, what else? we have on the show this week we're going to review the new muse album we put ourselves through that (laughs) Uh, and we're going to talk about lots of other things including um the demise of the stripes may they rest in peace but first on the show a reminder uh, that the quiz is sold out sorry if you didn't get your tickets it's sold out we warned you last week the quiz five weeks of a lead-in and we're sold out 
Uh, this shit's people easy. People love a quiz. People love a fucking quiz. Are we just becoming a quiz promotions? I just should quiz we cast. drop the yeah. quizcast. Yeah, no quizcast. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like it would be difficult to turn. Is there a podcast that's a quiz? Because like you kind of have to be there in the moment. You'd have to yeah. pair it with an app, would you? Oh, yeah, which I'm not get interactive. Get interactive. Uh, unless like the lads from like that Stripe company are listening and want to like invest in some quiz app podcast. Well, then hey, I'm oh, listening. The billionaires from that's America, one Stripe yeah. I've got time for. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so quiz is sold out, guys. We're not doing a second night. Uh, if anything happens, if we get more tables to release or whatever, I'll you know, keep an eye on the Twitter. But for now... Thank you to everybody who bought tickets. Yeah, thank thing. you to everyone who bought tickets. We're going to have great prizes for you. And more importantly, a great night on Wednesday, the for 19th sure. of December in the Workman's Club. Be there, because you will be if you got your ticket, and you won't be if you didn't. Dahi, last week on the show, we didn't talk about something that's now a week old. And in this day and age, a week old is fucking old news. It but is old news. it's worth talking about. I felt bad because I had watched this interview the day before and then completely forgot to mention it in the podcast but the Billie Eilish interview that she did with was it Vanity Fair? It was Vanity Fair Vanity Fair um, there's an amazing amazing interview uh, if you haven't seen it yet with uh, uh, pop sensation Billie, Billie Eilish Eilish Eilish, yeah. Eilish. 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 Yeah. that's how she pronounces it lovely Irish name actually now. Billie Eilish yeah, Billie yeah. Eilish yeah so she's um, a teenager and she's now a superstar and it turns out that's hard work yeah exactly and they they basically ask her the same questions the, the interviews are a year apart and they ask her the same questions and basically you can see a young hopeful upstart and then a jaded uh, chewed out like celebrity yeah. at it's the really end of it it's really something else it's like, incredible I mean, you like, sent it to me last week and I thought that's interesting I'm enjoying watching this while it's also quite sad and I was kind of like oh, I want to do a quick news story on it for Joe and I thought well you know, I don't know if the Joe audience will care but you know a young pop female singer maybe I'm being a bit too whatever but like I don't know it doesn't seem like the, the standard Joe thing but I did it I, I wrote the story and I put it out with the headline even if you don't know who Billie Eilish is you should watch this interview. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, like, the article did really well, shared massively, was consistently read over the weekend when I was working. And I'm glad of that because it genuinely is compelling. I think if you watch for more than 30 seconds, you're in. And it's 10-minute video, yeah. which is, again, a lot of currency in this day and age. Completely, yeah. But it's really fascinating. And I feel I just hope she doesn't burn the fuck out. She's 16 and she feels like, like she's lived two lives or something. Yeah, like. I find it really interesting as well because it, it almost seems like the Vanity Fair guys almost set it up... Um, like they didn't really know what they were doing. I was going to say, like, a, like there's they, a kind of a sad music thing, and they're kind of like, oh, that isn't part it of it shouldn't be there. There's no yeah, they shouldn't put it. They shouldn't put it in the sad piano music. score. You don't need it. But they they don't seem the way it's edited and the way they set it up doesn't actually seem like they really know how intensely awful the whole thing is. Because yeah. like, there's certain questions which are just kind of like, oh, you know, what, what you got a think? boyfriend? Yeah, 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 <laughs> stuff like that. And then she's like, no, I don't have a boyfriend. But is this something they do regularly with other people? Like, why, why the kind of year gap? That's a good. That's a good question. They must have some inkling of It's a good idea It is a good idea But why her And especially when you see the results It's a bit odd Like I don't know Yeah I I don't think it's exploitative Or anything I think think as Dolly says They kind of like Either looked into Or stumbled into something Because she's very fucking real She's very vulnerable She has a lot of insight I mean again like, Like she's clearly like a lot older than she might appear in that kind of interesting way but also to be fair she ain't fucking crying about her lot she's just kind of saying like my life is now totally changed it kind of gives you an illustration of the price of fame yeah, yeah, yeah. and how difficult people have it and there's a really touching moment in it when she kind of like looks back on one of her answers from a year ago and she's kind of like she's like oh she's so cute yeah or like there's even points where she's like I envy her like mm. I envy a past me that's crazy like, that's amazing months. 12 yeah. months like yeah. Oh God. yeah so check that out if you haven't seen it. Uh, it it also pairs quite well with the new track that she released which is called When the Party's Over. That's a great song. And that's a great song. Yeah. And kind of this interview almost makes it a little more bitters- bittersweet and everything. Yeah, well, you know? uh, I actually was supposed to interview her and really, it, yeah. it fell through a while ago, yeah. And now I really want to. So hopefully that mm-hmm. happens. And yeah, keep an eye on her career. And again, I mean, like, just hope that she doesn't fucking 
burn out too young. Interestingly enough, though, I guess another act that came along at a very young age and mm. have now called it a day are, in fact, Calvin Forsum The Stripes. Now, uh, essentially, they released a statement on Wednesday morning uh, just saying, like, you know, thanks for everything. Uh, we've had an incredible seven years. Uh, we played in toilets and theatres and cafes and castles from Scott House to Tokyo and back again. We've been in bedrooms and buses, planes, trains and automobiles. We've been on telly, on radio and on record. It's been fun and exciting, dull and dangerous, easy, tough, frustrating, satisfying and amazing. It's been a life and a living, but we've decided to call it time on The Stripes. Thank you all. Now, uh, the singer is going to pursue some musical stuff. I think the guitarist is going to pursue some musical stuff. The other two lads have gone into an acting agency, which is a bit of an odd move. Craig, you're very familiar with this band. Yeah, I've interviewed them quite a few times over the years. Um, Like, you know, really sincere guys, I guess. Um, I know, obviously, you were never a big fan of their music and had issues with their kind of... I did. ...their beginnings as a kind of throwback act. I thought it was a novelty Okay, so if there's anyone here who doesn't know who the Stripes are, um, they came along very young uh, wearing kind of like suits and playing the music of like... (laughs) Wearing their suits. Wearing their suits. (laughs) Wearing their suits uh, and playing the music out of their dad's record collection and essentially playing the music of like... Dr. Feelgood and, you know, like, like not actually just doing covers, but that kind of style. Bluesy rock. And it just felt like, what the fuck is this? Kind of like baby metal, but for blues rock music. Yeah, like, the main thing was that there wasn't really anything new there, right? That was yeah, the they were back thing. But I suppose that's kind of fair game, right? I mean, there didn't seem to be anything too cynical. I mean, you can kind of... I don't of agree. Be, no, you can be turned off by, okay, w- one of their fathers or whatever was maybe uh, trying to push them a little bit. But, I mean, they're teenage lads. I've been talking to them quite extensively over a number of years. They would like, voracious kind of musical appetites. They were really into those records. They weren't lying about it. It wasn't like some bizarre shag-style thing where the dad was locking them up in the living room going, practice, practice, practice. Like, like Craig, if you've interviewed them over, over a course, how, did they change? Obviously, they're going from teenagers to adults, basically, so yeah. I presume they changed a lot. Yeah, and could you actually it, notice a huge change? Yeah, and of, of course, there was, like, public growing pains musically in terms of, like, the second album was very Arctic Monkeys. They mm-hmm. did move away from that retro thing quite a lot, and there yeah. was R&B influences. It was that kind of AM thing of, like, um, the main songwriter, Josh, was listening to a lot of hip-hop, and you could see a clear development while... By the same token, just again wearing the influences really on their sleeves, and that's no crime when you're like what seventeen, eighteen, no, nineteen. No, there's no crime committed here, and your man Josh is. <laughs> you can go to clear that up. <laughs> your man, that, that, that we know of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they the did hang, locked in a room. They, like, I mean, they did hang out a lot with people. So yeah, I mean, I think Josh is kind of like the wild card of that band, and I genuinely want him to go off and do things now because I got the sense from him, just from like I guess seeing him on interviews or knowing from you saying that he's into hip hop and production, that he can go off and do something interesting. I mean, to me, it was an albatross. It was an albatross around the band's neck. I mean, like, neither nine on his podcast this week said that it's the best thing for them because now they can go off and do whatever the fuck they want yeah. to do. There was no way this band could last beyond, you know, it could have lasted a few more years for sure. But like, it's just I don't hawking l- a dead thing. And like at the start of their career, the champions were like <clears throat> Bob Geldof, Elton John. Noel Gallagher uh, fucking Paul Weller because yeah. they just saw themselves in this band it was gimmicky and it was like you can see why they were latched onto but you can also see why they were fucking spit up and chewed out right but yeah I, could, I, I see chewed your, out, your problem with them, <laughs> I see your problem with them being less like the kind of um, musical output of some teenagers rather the middle age audience that kind of seem to latch onto them as them, real yeah. music and everything else is the real music thing is annoying because like that's yeah. just like again you know like look beyond your fucking you know MTV or whatever like there's more going on than just there are a Lots of guitar bands out there. Uh, but at the same time, it just never struck for me. And yeah, I took against them. I didn't think against them as like individual people. But is it but fair to say that it's a, the audience and hoopla around them put you off more than... like? The- 
they mm. great decent shops. They weren't exactly okay. It's kind of no, the, the boring was, old cover the stuff. Music was crap. Like I mean, but they, it, they yeah. could play their instruments, but like it was just it was shit to listen. But to. you're talking about the first album. Like yeah. the second and third album are very varied in terms of genre and stuff. Are they, yes, they very much are. Like yeah. uh, like the last album is more kind of power poppy stuff. There's I haven't a heard lot the of third album because I didn't even know there was. A like third they're album. talented dudes. So yeah. That'd be my takeaway. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's. I just kind of feel like, what's? Where's the loss? I mean, like, I wrote an article for Joe, and who knows? I may very well be waking up to <laughs> some, some anger and some pain, uh, which I don't necessarily mean to inflict. But I was, you know, I, I wrote an article, and I just kind of said that this, the legacy of the stripes is that they don't have one, and ultimately. You know, I, I just never bought into it and I was surrounded by... I'm, I'm more, like, pissed off about, like, other media outlets at the time, Craig, and being like, you know, this is the future of rock and roll and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, fuck off. It isn't. I think the thing that, Craig, you just said there actually kind of proves it, right? That, like, you were judging them on their first album. And I presume most people were judging yeah, on their first album. Yeah. And it, that kind of thing where it gets worn around your neck the whole time, that you become almost like a cliche in itself. Yeah. And that will affect the rest of your, your career... Yeah, as a as that particular band, I mean that basically proves it, right? That like most people just took the first bit and then kind of disregarded the next two albums or however long. Definitely, but I think you know if they had had the inclination to stick together, they could have shaken that. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything really that remarkable about a band that like, they've been going what seven or eight years. They're in their kind of mid twenties now, or moving towards their mid twenties. I mean, how many bands like that break up? It's kind of a natural thing. It's more remarkable when bands that get together in their teens stay together for the long haul. I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. People sure. just naturally kind of have different interests. They want to pursue different things. I don't know what they want to do particularly. But Look, it's, a hell, of, it's a hell of a story. And, and I, you know, in my very fair and balanced write-up that I wrote, I did mention, I was like, look, I mean, who who could possibly begrudge or turn down the opportunity to trade in your fucking education to go and play around the world and play at Glastonbury and Electric Picnic and Fuji Rocks and appear on David Letterman and Jules Holland and Conan O'Brien and the Late Late Toy Show and kind of just be like, <laughs> hey, well, this is obviously the dream, isn't it? Like, this is like in a rock and roll band dream. And ultimately, I think they're all going to be better people for it. I hope that the industry didn't like affect them too much. I hope my article doesn't affect them too much, but I also feel like, you know, I'm sorry, but I have a connection to this because I wrote a review of the debut album and one of their fucking mothers gave out to me about it and I worked for a publication <laughs> yeah, at the time. Like, <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to let me explain. I worked for a publication that championed them while also I was kind of like in the background being like, well, this ain't so great and I got to fucking tell the company line here. And yes, there was a bit of rebellion on my behalf, much like there was rebellion on their behalf. But the point is, now, full circle, I wrote this article, not not with the intention to bury, but with the intention to comment on it. And I feel like I've earned that fucking right as a critic. And quite frankly, I feel like a lot of critics are being, as always, way too fucking nice, celebrating mediocrity and being like, oh, they were the best, they were the lads. No, they weren't. They were an but- average band. It was a gimmick, and I won't miss them. But there wasn't really a gimmick by, like, we're talking about something... Maybe a kind of novelty factor that is at least five years in the past. Well, so. it didn't, look, listen, I mean, despite everything I've just said, it didn't fucking keep me up at night. I just, like, I take my job seriously. <laughs> what do you mean? Are you being a critic? <laughs> stripes don't take their job seriously. <sighs> Evidenced by the fact that they've broken up. <laughs> I think we can agree that... Uh... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm nah, looking forward nah, to, nah, to nah, see nah, what... Come on, come on. I'm being, de- I'm, I'm being deliberately... <laughs> I'm being deliberately facetious here. <laughs> but I just... Yeah, I mean, like, like it's a ramble, and I'm rambling. 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 how we ramble. I'm sure uh, Ramblin' Man is probably like the name of one of their fucking tracks, but essentially... It's grand. It's fine. No one got killed. It's okay. And I reserve my right to be a fucking critic about I'm it. I'm looking forward to seeing what Ross Farley does next. That's what we want. I'm looking think. forward to seeing what Josh McClory does next. Okay.
I can't wait to see the acting chops of Evan. See, there you go. So it's something for everyone. A whole new story is beginning. And a different story this week that uh, has been very bizarre and has spiralled in a lot of different ways. And Dahi Adrani is going to do his very best to sum this one up. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure most people who are listening have probably read about the... um the band Threaten, who uh, were an LA band. <laughs> Great the, name. The band, question mark, band Threaten. Yeah. Um, an LA band who booked a UK tour um, over the last while. Um, according to their kind of YouTube videos and their following, you know, they had a huge following with a lot of plays. Um, looks like a very successful band. Um, basically, the tour starts in the UK, uh, and I think it starts in London. Um, they tell the promoter that they have 291 tickets sold from their personally from their website, um, and three people people show up um so something is obviously amiss then they go to their next gig two more people turn up so it turns out um an enemy uncovered this uh that basically the band itself um was completely made up from this one guy um which is jared threaten he uh he came over to the uk and actually uh used um a whole pile of like um, buying sites to buy like views for his videos, views for or followers for his accounts and everything like that. Um, basically, once enemy and once enemy and another blog called Metal Sucks did an article about it. Um, it blows up overnight, becomes this huge <laughs> sensational story. Suddenly, like the threatened T-shirts are massively valuable. There's yeah. like talk of people wanting to go to the gigs now because it's such a weird thing. Um, and basically, they disappear. Jared Threaten doesn't like uh, like you it to his advantage or anything he disappears like all the gigs are cancelled and everything um, it turns out that like the band members were all kind of taken on for this tour um, they didn't even know that it, it wasn't a successful band that it wasn't completely fake um, and then I think yesterday Jared puts up on yeah. his Twitter um, basically going like hey guys this is like a commentary on fake news uh, his actual statement is uh, horrific he goes, <laughs> he goes what is fake news I turned an empty room into an international headline if you're reading this you are part of the illusion. Lots of hashtags. <laughs> oh inclu- no, I'm part of the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> including hashtag... I've been made a fool of. <laughs> hashtag breaking the world and hashtag marketing. Uh, hashtag yeah. psychology. A lot of hashtags. At Joe Rogan, at, at, Rolling Rolling Rogan. Stone, at Billboard News, at BBC So hang News. on, the question I, I guess I have at the end of this is, has he been threatened with legal action? <laughs> Come on the show, just Jared? Just, just Jared. Jared. I mean, uh, that's a blog. It's a pretty incredible story, and I, like I can't help but think, you know, um, it's a, a fucking it'd incredible, be a story. serious film. Like it'd be, it'd be unreal. It's, like. it's like the the room, but it, the musical version. Isn't completely, it? Like, yeah, yeah. Waiting yeah, for it it. Like James Franco, if he can still get financial backing in Hollywood, I yeah. don't know if he can anymore, but he should be making it. I think he can, unfortunately. Uh, Have <laughs> you listened to the music? No. The yeah, thing that's really yeah. important oh, here. You didn't listen music. to the music. I think you're taking your job as a music critic seriously. Did you judge this band? That came back to get me. <laughs> Pretty fast, actually. <laughs> By these standards, wow! You really, you really do blink and you miss it in this day and age. I didn't think there was music. The music is worth looking up. Yeah, there's a full album, um, and it's what is it? It's kind of poppy, metally kind of yeah, heavily, uh, heavily yeah. auto-tuned in parts. I don't think I don't think it was a style choice. Um, I think it is him playing all the instruments. It there's is him really playing all the interesting instruments. Interesting thing. I looked at their kind of, I guess, fake bio on their website, which mm. has a kind of lovely Geo Cities like Angel Fire feel to it as well. It's just like lots of different fonts going on and yeah. ridiculous stuff does it have a visitor counter on it <laughs> it doesn't quite it's not quite that bad okay. but one of the kind of facts about the album which does exist is that it's mastered by this guy Greg uh, Kelby who's worked with like a lot of like the likes of Springsteen and Bowie and really? blah 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 and I was like oh he's an actual dude 
So I was trying to find out if he did have any hand in it. And all I could find online was someone asking the same thing on Twitter and someone responding that um, this guy, Greg Helby, has um, presets on Isotope, which is like a mastering yeah, software yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And they presume that's why he put it in, because he just used those presets oh, to amazing. master. That's incredible. <laughs> so it's like, there's, something I mean, there's so much attention to detail, which is kind of the more interesting thing. This is the thing. So, so like, done. he's clearly rich, right? Because... It has to be made, yeah. How much money is he yeah. wasting? Like, it's got to be five-figure sum that he's burnt through on this. And Completely, yeah. And not to mention, you know, like flights. If he's if he says that he sold the tickets as well, he isn't getting like a guarantee on any of these gigs. There is even talk of like I think one of the gigs was it in in Bristol I think where the 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 promoter oh, sorry the owner of the venue realized that this was all bullshit and was like, look, you're going to, have to pay all my staff before you get on stage because this is all bullshit. So then he had to pay all for the staff and everything. Did he leave his gaff? Like, is he actually gone round? Well, he was. He did yeah, gigs. Sure he, he like did there's gigs. there's footage on YouTube of his Manchester show, which is just like the band playing to an empty room, maybe two people two in the people, room. Yeah, and apparently two people were the support act. Yeah, there's all these support act books. So there is like quotes there's from the support acts going. They like, were supposed yeah, to play. Really bad, like, they were supposed to play Belfast. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I think that venue said, okay, we're we're still going to put on a gig tonight. The support acts can play. So come mm-hmm. down and support local music. It's a free gig, which is yeah. pretty, like, pretty cool move. The really interesting thing is what was his end game because like. He's blown up. He's got the fame. His end game was to expose fake news, man. But oh yeah, okay. Sorry for taking <laughs> out face value. Sorry, I forgot. But like he, it seems by all accounts, lots of the promoters that have been asked about this are now saying, well, people were definitely going to turn up, so we tried to contact him, and be like, we'll do the show, and he's just like blocked them all. He doesn't. Yeah. The weird thing is, he's got the attention, and he's trying to like. He locked his Twitter account. To one you say. think yeah. this would be like? And this is be, what he was hoping when would it happen. was when oh, it was yeah. breaking. Like Twitter was going crazy, and you could see like all these like guys in metal bands and stuff just going like for fuck's sake this fucking shite guy is here and he's now the biggest band in the world and like I've been slugging away with my band for years so what happens next I'm going to say he's going to appear on Joe Rogan and he's going to appear like he's going to make make an appearance at like some wacky gig like Kiss will bring him out for a solo but this is the thing he seems to be rejecting all the attention in a weird way it seems like he's almost embarrassed or something like it's I don't we obviously don't know the guy when you see the footage of him playing in this empty room you're kind of like who would put themselves through this like what's the gain it's really odd you kind of I don't know I'm dying for a proper just to get a look at the guy doing an interview like that's that's all I really want he's now. the Banksy just of the metal world character. yeah the Banksy of the metal well world. we'll see if he has a long and lustrous career like, <laughs> like I'm sure his hair is quite lustrous um, I meant oh, to say, it is uh, yeah. I meant to say illustrious but uh, I guess it works <laughs> someone who has had a long and illustrious career but unfortunately was hit with a recent spot of bother is Neil Young and he wasn't the only one as the California wildfires wildfires rather swept uh, California and uh, people lost their fucking gaffes man uh, Neil Young was among them Molly Cyrus lost her home Limp Bizkit's Wes Borland lost guitars and other musical equipment Kevin Parker of Tame Impala lost gear as well uh, Jared Butler lost his gaff and tweeted about it and people said well maybe you shouldn't have helped out the fucking Israeli Defence Force yeah Bit Ro- of- Robin Tick also lost his gaff that's and the real like, tragedy god here. that guy is not having a good last five years or so um, everyone's safe though um, um, yeah, so uh, like, there's definitely no global warming element to this, as, as we've been told by the 45th president of the United States over and over again. But devastation in California. And yeah, uh, Neil Young among them. And basically, uh, he said the firefighters had never seen anything like it in their entire lives. Um, he lost his home before to a California fire. And now he's lost another home to yeah, a California fire. And he's, he's come out and kind of been giving out about Trump quite rightly, as everyone has. Just saying, imagine a leader who defies science and essentially saying that his Trump's reaction to the whole thing was ludicrous, which of course it was. It was um, indeed. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's gaff, I think, was okay They because they hired private firefighters. Imagine Jesus having the cash Christ. to get private firefighters to battle it. That's amazing. Well, Kanye West has been 
too busy ripping off Lord Craig. <laughs> has <laughs> he, he though? Box to protect has against, he? Um, <laughs> to protect him against the fires. Yeah, so Kids See Ghosts um, made their live debut at um, Tyler Creators Festival. Um, or Carnival as he builds it um, during the week uh, featured the two lads doing the full album uh, in a kind of suspended glass the box. full album so 21 minutes all 21 <laughs> minutes they threw in a few hits as well just to give people their money's worth yeah. Tyler's like wait a second <laughs> so how long can you do that uh, maybe I can get Jared Threaden in here to uh, finish this set out <laughs> And yeah, so they uh, very, like, obviously Kanye had the floating stage there a while ago, and now they have this floating box thing. Yeah. And apparently it's not theirs to do. Lord went on Instagram and she did. posted a story. She did. She shared photos from her shows, um, as well as the Kitsy Ghost show, and wrote, I'm proud of the work I do, and it's flattering when other artists feel inspired by it, to the extent that they choose to try it on themselves. But don't steal, not from women or anyone else, not in 2018 or ever. Gotta, the end of that statement is just... What? What is she so doing with that? Like, you got you to you gender it. from women you gotta or gender it. You gotta gender so it. bad. She is the modern Sylvia Plath, guys. So here what we go. What is the play with that? Like, it's Well, she's so a sanctimonious dope. So, yeah. of course, she's going to fucking, like, try and make it some kind of weird war. And, um, of course, like, it kind of comes to the bear then as well that it isn't just, like, Lord just didn't walk in and, like, make up this box idea and get somebody to make it. Like, this is also, like, the the creative outlet of uh, another uh, set designer, basically, which yeah. says Devlin who uh, straight afterwards kind of posted up on her Instagram um, three pictures of a piece of work that she did for the English National Opera in 2007, which is very, very similar to Lord's thing as well. So, yeah, it was a bit of a mic drop of a post, exactly, like, wasn't yeah. it? Um, obviously, it was worked with Kanye on sets um, for Yeezus and watched the throne previously. Um, but didn't work on this one, though. Did not work on but this one. But she did say... Uh, but she did work on the Lord one. Yeah, right? she yeah. has collaborated And via the Lord. New York Times, she gave a statement saying, I admire both and I see no imitation at work here. I think the more interesting point is that both artists responding to our disjointed times are being drawn to this gesture of the fragile floating room the world unmoored from gravity where the rules of civilization and identity as we have known may soon no longer apply which is the kind of thing you would classy expect move. classy uh, move uh, bringing uh, it back to the arts an artist to come yeah. out with yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't know i mean i just feel like you know to attack kids ghost especially where it's like the album's about mental health and about pulling yourself up and it i'm sorry but it just doesn't look good it, uh, i'm not a lord fan but it doesn't look good it felt like kind of very cynical like here's me grabbing some clout with the kind of reference to like women which is just totally you it's know irrelevant. It's, totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. it's irrelevant totally irrelevant and also that I'm not feeling of maybe it's like, like it's, in this argument it's actually irrelevant it, like, it just feels kind of the mood around Kanye at the moment it's almost like you smell a bit of blood and you're like oh yeah just he's an easy target to get a shot mm-hmm. in with uh, I, we stan a queen though who calls out two black guys mm. I mean I don't know I think the she, and she say well she was an absolutely gigantic Kanye fan so I don't know she's clearly changed her tune yeah I don't know just, I still think that last album was garbage and she's I quite enjoyed it more, more irritating she's, she's on my list now <laughs> <laughs> well on your list for I this, really like you lord on your on your listening list next week no longer Craig is uh, Yandy Yandy's been delayed <laughs> shocker oh. November 23 will not um, give us the album God which it's, it's probably good news right it seems from his he actually made the announcement after the Kidsy Ghost um, show and he seems to genuinely have had a few moments of late where he's gone oh maybe I should really concentrate on the music and you know take my time with stuff and think it through and I think it's a good sign that he's trying to better what he has I hope so in brief not going to spend that much long on it news because it's been a bit of a messy story that has developed in several different ways over the last few days Ennio Morricone the 90 year old legendary Italian (laughs) (laughs) 90 year old legend uh, (laughs) Italian composer 
who is coming back to the free arena and playing another gig, by the way. You're just like, you're 90 years of age. Like, really? Uh, yeah, it's don't be ageist. ageist. I'm not being ageist. I'm saying, like, <laughs> enjoy the last days. Of the live. last days he could live to. Oh, yeah, he's Italian, right. so maybe he'll live to about 120. Is that, is that stereotypical? Is it positive? Yeah, I think the, yeah, the Mediterranean diet. He gave an interview, <laughs> gave an interview to the German edition of Playboy, in which he apparently slammed Quentin Tarantino and said very nasty things about him, calling him a cretin, saying he's a trash director who rips off from other people. You know, like he, the Tarantino has often been accused of ripping people off uh, with his homages, and that's an argument for another day. I happen to like his work, um, and I think the film that they collaborated on recently, The Hateful Eight, is quite brilliant with some excellent music in it. But then. Uh, Morricone said I never gave an interview to them and I never said those things and then Playboy Germany said no no you did and then Playboy Germany said actually he didn't say these things <laughs> and it's fine can we just like stop this from happening so what the fuck is going on oh, well listen I trust Playboy Germany um, <laughs> so <laughs> their latest statement Germany. I will go <laughs> oh, like, yeah, so, the, so he did do the interview but didn't say the things yeah, yeah. it's, it's just a magazine of record it's <laughs> interesting how lengthy and specific to certain incidents uh, what they're alleging he initially said are it it doesn't seem like slight phrasing or translation no, stuff. No, these are full paragraphs. It, yeah, it feels like made up stuff. If what Marconi is arguing is true, I feel like he said it. I feel like. Uh, by the way, can I just say, any lawyer who happens to be listening, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, I'm yeah. just I'm hypothesizing here, guys. I'm just spitballing. Feel like he said it. Feel like they backtracked and said, "No, no, we have ten high price lawyers," and they're like, "Yeah, grand cool, no worries." Either way, it's messy, and uh, yeah, Mark Honey was due to be working on Tarantino's latest, wasn't he? But he once upon a time in Hollywood. I think wasn't there kind so? of some wasn't there inklings or rumors around them parting ways in terms of working relationship? I think there was some kind of basis. There's definitely to been this, some friction. But yeah, 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 but it's Quentin Tarantino, so yeah. of course there will be. And lastly, in movie and music news, uh, Jack White was snubbed. By Bradley Cooper. Well, he wasn't quite snubbed by Bradley Cooper. He was snubbed by <laughs> a big movie studio. No, nope, it's Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley <laughs> Cooper. Like tell them if he's the, Bradley if Cooper he's the man, do you know what? I think you're right. If Bradley Cooper's the man making the film, I'm he doing has Mark to Coney bear the yeah, to be fair, this, is a, this was the passion project for Bradley Cooper. Uh, by the way, before we get into this story, A Star Is Born has been a Irish phenomenon. A worldwide phenomenon, obviously, but in Ireland in particular. Like, it's yeah. sold in insane amount of They haven't got my money yet. <laughs> Have they not? <laughs> I they, will go and see it, though. I'm intrigued. They got fucking Zara Hedeman's money twice. Um, so she went to see it on Friday and then on Monday. Zara. Wow. <laughs> Get it together. So uh, hang on. Essentially, uh, yeah, it's made a shit ton of money, as did Mamma Mia too. Irish people love musicals. Yeah. Well, they do, yeah. Like the commitments. Yeah. Famous musical. <laughs> yeah. Moulin Rouge probably had a good box office over here. i say so. Good so film. why isn't Jack White in A Star Is Born? Um, so essentially, Br- Cooper's been given interviews, of course. He talked to Variety, and without naming Jack White, he said, I saw this other person that I wanted to do um, this, play his role, uh, who was an actual musician, but the studio wouldn't make the movie with him. Um, and Variety did have um, an independent source that said it was the White Stripe Stripes frontman. There's been loads of people connected with this kind of movie or screenplay yeah, for years. Yeah. Like it's been, it was I in development hell for Yeah, years. it was like Will Smith and yeah. Jennifer Lopez, I think, in the early noughties oh were supposed to do it. And Beyonce film. was... Beyonce yeah. was tipped, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know, it would have been a very strange film with Jack, Jack White. I mean, yeah, lead. he's done a few bits and bobs. Is he a good actor? I can't think of a good time that he did, like, good acting. Yeah, no, he hasn't. I don't think he's had significant enough roles to be able to gauge but my feeling would be Jack White such a kind of unusual quirky kind of rock star dude I don't know if I could buy into him as I can't picture Jack White in love yeah no not really that's a very interesting take on it yeah I I suppose we'd quite go against everything that he's been selling for a while but at the same time I don't want to deny the man the chance for love 
Dottie, why are you trying to deny the man the chance for love? <laughs> or to pretend he's in love. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Just get the Raconteurs back in track, please. So yes. Another Raconteurs album. Are you here, a fan? Here. Yeah, Raconteurs. That was really good, yeah. Really? It was incredible. I, 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 I must confess, I only really know the single. Um, Brendan Benson. Dun, that's dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 two albums. <laughs> Let's Very Stripesian that song. Anyway, yeah, it is actually. S- we stop bringing it back to the stripes. <laughs> the stripes, <laughs> the stripes are. Don't touch me. <laughs> Get your fucking hands off. <laughs> the stripes are dead. Long live the stripes. We'll move on to a very alive act, shall we? Yes. <laughs> Unless tragedy has befallen him since he did this interview. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's fine. Okay, he's grand. His name is Rory Hall. His artist's name is Proper Micro Envy. The album's called Dormant Boy. It's out now. Let's have a taste. And then when he comes back, or rather when we come back, I'm, <laughs> the stripes of your rattle. I'm all befuddled. <laughs> we'll have Rory in the studio for a chat, and it's going to be really good. And it's going to be friendly and good and good and supporting of Irish music. Hello, my name is Dave Hanready. This is Proper Micro Envy. Delighted to be joined on No Encore by Rory Hull, aka Proper Micro Envy. Hello, hello. Yeah, welcome Hi. to the show. I feel welcome. That's good. <laughs> that's what the that's, that's what the whoop and clap uh, clap <laughs> the whoop and clap. <laughs> it's, a, it's a clap. Laugh. It's an old German yeah. instrument. The whoop and clap. It's all good. It does sound like an old. It German does, instrument. yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds a bit like an STD, really. So, let's let's oh. just. Dahi, dahi, dahi. Yeah, I, I believe it's STI these days <laughs> from the nineties. It's political so, correctness gone mad. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Dublin, mate. It's uh, <laughs> it's time for the podcast. So, uh, problem micro envy. The album is out as of this podcast being out. Yeah, congratulations, yeah. boy. Congratulations. Release Thank week. You're very busy. Upstairs in Wheelands on Friday night. If people are around, go to that gig. Uh, how have you been this week? Because you've been flat out. Also, it's your birthday. It's your fucking yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Jesus, it's all happening. Yeah, I'm 24 today. And I, to be honest with you, I can barely remember that it's my birthday today, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> oh, I'll be doing a lot so going much. on. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a rough week in terms of tiredness. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some sleepless nights. And what am I going to do here? <laughs> what am I going to do there? But I'm just happy it's... It always seems like a a lot of build up before a release like that. And then I think it always you always get to the stage where as soon as it comes out, then there's kind of like this moment where it's just kind of like there and it's out and it's done. And there's this weird kind of feeling. Do you get that a lot when you release stuff? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's the the worst part, like you said, is that few week build the two week build up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, (laughs) it's it's bad. It gets bad. It really does. Um, But yeah, I'm just excited now and I'm happy that it's that it's out. Yeah, you posted um like kind of a, like a two page note type thing about it and kind mm. of what it means to you and like there does seem to be an awful lot put into this and just in terms of like I guess sharing your vulnerability not just on the album mm. but like what it means to you to even be making this because yeah. you're even saying when you announced it that this was a huge decision for you mm. and I think like a lot of people just kind of just put out their music and put out like a standard press release and just kind of be like here's here's the song as they speak for themselves but you seem to kind of go a little bit beyond that like what was the thinking behind that is it just a case of like I just you know I'm a I'm an emotional guy and I like to talk about it <laughs> and I like to talk about it <laughs> come to the right place um, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it was it was kind of like the, the decision to actually put one out was made not even that long ago to be honest with you it was kind of it was a decision that I was kind of going back and forth with myself for quite a while uh, but I kept on you know Monday I'd wake up I'd go right I'm going to split it across two EPs <laughs> and then Tuesday I'd go no I'm not I'm putting out an album and then Wednesday i go I'm putting out a bloody compilation you know I was changing constantly and um, 
decided finally and ultimately that I'm, I'm putting out an album. And it, there was a certain kind of uh, number of tracks in front of me that I kept looking at and like I, I couldn't move ahead mm. without putting out an album. It felt too correct in my own yeah. mind. So the, the amount of tracks that were there and everything that was stuck together just felt Yeah, like and they all album. they were all kind of written around the same sort of period of time as well. Okay. The same two or three month period for me, they were all written around that time and they were all relevant, kind of almost in compendium, almost with each other. Mm-hmm. And it felt it felt too right for it to be wrong, if you know what I mean. Do you yeah, know? yeah. Um, and I guess like condensing your sound down to the record because like I, I've said before on the show, the first time I saw you was Hard Work and Class Heroes last year, and mm-hmm. I only I only caught the last couple of tracks in the set, but. To me, it was a very theatrical thing. Like yeah. it's, it's a performance. Like, I mean, yeah. like, like I think that that's that shines through in your stage work and also with the videos that you put out as well. And getting it down to a record, I mean, I didn't quite know what to expect from a full length. And what I came away from was that it felt, and this is going to sound like like a disparaging comp, but it isn't. But it felt very nineties Britain to me in terms right, of like okay. I just felt that there was like a bit of like that kind of vocal that we don't really hear anymore from a lot of male singers in particular. There was some kind of moments where I, like it was almost like sealed. It was just like a right, sense okay. of stretching oh. your voice, testing it, but also kind of communicating it as a bit of a signal I suppose I mean like it's interesting because like you're clearly not writing for the fucking radio here <laughs> no but yeah, you're also quite. trying to incorporate melody so it must be difficult to be avant-garde with a full length release as well yeah I think a lot, what a lot of people have said people I know even obviously have kind of sent feelers out there to people and what the general kind of consensus is is that it's out there but it's it's earwormy at the same time sort of thing uh, which I'm happy with, kind of the best of both worlds in yeah. a sense. Mm. Um, I definitely like the, the the stuff I listen to is all kind of avant garde and you know uh, not necessarily not catchy. I'll say. Um, so I suppose that, that that's what kind of influences me, mm. and I, maybe it's kind of transferred a bit over to what I've actually put out. Um, so yeah, that's kind of. I guess, like, maybe more so than avant-garde, there's a kind of confidence there to have, like, allow the stillness to kind of sit mm. and just kind of sit back a little and kind of enjoy those moments of silence and kind of the slowness of it and the build. I mean, yeah. even entering into the record, it's a slow build to kind of it get is. into it. You're kind of just, you know, you're not, it's not just a big bang. Here's the, yeah. you know, album. It's, um, come on in and see what you think. The funniest comments I've gotten it so far is it's like slow-mo Moby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious. Straight on the cover. <laughs> unique yeah. quote as I'll ever get I would say um, but slow, yeah slow my my lord um, but yeah no definitely it's it's very uh, very relaxed in parts very very relaxed um, but it, it variates some bit I think throughout mm. uh, despite that fact you know yeah, so. it's kind of a funny one because all your recorded stuff uh, it seems pretty much produced by you and completely recorded by you yeah. on your own in your room yeah. and then like your live shows then are these like you have a band behind you a lot of the time and mm. um, there's a lot of difference it seems to change up an awful lot it does, yeah. is it hard to kind of transfer kind of that kind of solo stuff into a kind of a band setting uh, sometimes mm. um, sometimes it can kind of uh yeah, no, sometimes. As in, I try to uh, I try to, to, to change it up as much as possible when yeah. it comes to live, as in the lads in the band. Shout out to Joel, David and Tamara, my band. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, to, to kind of, uh, how will we say, when I'm setting up the live band, it is sometimes hard to transfer certain elements of, of what is on the recorded piece into a live sort of setup. Yeah, yeah. But we try and work around that as best as we can. And it, it usually works. But I do, you know, I, I do, you know, imperatively do kind of, enjoy changing things up changing the general sound of it up as much as possible really because i, I kind of like to bring something a little bit different mm. to the original studio recordings without losing the original yeah. sound yeah. of it if you know what i mean like have you always performed as a 
performed say these tracks as a band or have you done solo stuff on yourself no I've, uh, always live with okay. a band yeah. and why, why is that why did you choose uh, just I, I, it's just always what I've wanted mm. like since since day one if even before any of the stuff was going out live you know I, yeah. I didn't think it ever would myself I had ambitions to do it but it was kind of it needed to get to a point where I could actually you know get booked um, <laughs> but um, you know it was always in my mind to to have a band just always an ambition of mine I never imagined myself uh, doing it alone if you know what I mean cool. it's yeah. just it's, but it's not a very traditional band though I mean like with regards to the whole element of the theatre and, and that kind of like kind of art installation style do you find yourself feeling more like a director than like a frontman Sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I mean, yeah. you're probably, like, giving them notes. like Yeah, <laughs> well, like, yeah, sometimes. As in, well, the, the thing with it is that the kind of the whole, the theatrical stuff, from my point of view, is and the lads in the band, they're, they're kind of used to it at this stage. They're kind of, I remember coming off stage, I think it was at Hard Working Class Heroes, and somebody said to me after the gig, as I was kind of walking off the stage, I love the way, like, the guys behind you just, like, don't even look at you or laugh or anything when you're jumping around and, like, <laughs> hitting your, nearly laugh. hitting your head off the ground. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of cool because the guys are just so relaxed and, and kind of chilled <laughs> yeah, out yeah, yeah. at the back. And it's like, oh, we're used to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a funny one. It's strange. I mean, okay, so you come from Limerick, and I mean, like, we think about how, like, like Limerick, I think, in recent months has kind of, I guess, not just months, I guess years, I mean, you look at, like, recent kind of family, obviously, Limerick connections, mm. and before that, like, the Cranberries and various others, like, I, I spoke to Wen Young recently, they're a Limerick band who've gone mm. off to the UK, and but they're very much proud of their roots, and I mean, we talk all the time about, like, you know, the Irish music scene right now is, is as best as it's ever been, or yeah. as flourishing as it, as it ever has been. I mean, like, in terms of coming from a place like Limerick, where, you know, I've never been, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it a case of like, yeah, I mean, like there is a ton of stuff happening across the country and it's not just like Dublin. Because I mean, I am guilty of, for sure of being in the Dublin bubble mm. and all that kind of shit. So, but I think, you know, it's been like, it's been an interesting kind of year for Ireland like, as a whole. And I would include like the, like your release in there. Yeah. Mm. Like how, how is Limerick as a city in terms of music? In terms of music, really yeah. great at the moment. Yeah, at the yeah, moment. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of... You've probably heard a lot of it yourselves as to how how much the scene has advanced over the last, I'm going to say, five, six years. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. taken a huge surge, without question. As in, I, there are a lot of good venues down there now. Yeah. A lot of good venues uh, with good sound systems. Um, there's a place called Pharmacia. I don't know if you've yeah, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. The Made sound famous si- by Blind Boy. Yeah, about, yeah. Uh, yeah, cocktails. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sound system in there at the moment is incredible. Really? Yeah. Really good. Okay. Yeah, shockingly good, in fact. A lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah. I, was at a, I was at a Waste Fellow gig there probably about maybe three or four weeks ago and sound was unbelievable but without question there's definitely a, a massive emerging scene in Limerick it's all it's what it's built up to be if you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like the appetite for it as well I guess yeah. from, from people in the mm. area mm. absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. it's interesting I mean like art scenes can can flourish they can they can wither and die and they can always be challenged by different things um, you've had a lot of support though in particular from uh, Roshi Murphy I know that you guys mm. have some kind of uh, some kind of connection there what is the what's the background <laughs> what is the connection, what's the connection? Uh, no. I, 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 I work in radio so I interviewed Roisin Murphy, I'm going to say in, I'm going to say 2014. And uh, this was kind of just before she came back with the, uh, like she did like an Italian EP and then an Italian language EP and then an album. And she followed me on Twitter and I think I posted some of it, like a SoundCloud link or something later that year or later in 2015 or something like that. And uh, she kind of responded to it and listened to it and enjoyed it or whatever. And um, then kind of kept in touch with her then since and then uh, ended up in like her music videos yeah, <laughs> for, yeah. for like her 12 inches she was putting out uh, she put out was it four separate 12 inches mm-hmm. 
um, and uh, I was in four of the videos. Uh, it was great. It was really <laughs> good. She's uh, an absolute magi- magician. Yeah, she's yeah, an she absolute magician. And actually, even yeah. now that you're actually saying it as well, I mean, in terms of your live show, it's probably a huge influence, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. without question. I'd never heard that, ever. <laughs> absolute influence, without yeah. question. Uh, it's funny, though, because I, mean, I, I interviewed her a while ago, and she was kind of talking about how like, she just can't stand modern pop music on the radio. Like It's mm. all, obviously, the algorithm, and you know, it's all these frequencies that like people just kind of uh, go towards. And I was chatting to a musician friend of mine today, and he was talking about like the idea of, like I guess, I, I'm going to get it wrong, but like, conjunctive versus disjunctive vocals. <laughs> and how you're saying like, Sigrid is a really good example of someone who does disjunctive vocals in pop music. It's so rare. And I think, you know, Roshan Murphy, for me, has always been an artist who very defiantly coloured outside of the lines. And mm. I think, you know, even before you brought out the album, it was quite apparent. I think the first time you sent me a track, mm. I was kind of like, fuck, I was like, this is like a six minute ambient tune. Am I really going to play this? I was like, no, I said, I'll do it. So I'll do it. But I liked it. And I was like, yeah. you know, but again, it's, I'll but, do it. No, but, but it's <laughs> After two it. hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, like, like, it's all about patience. And like, the, there's just, there's so, this fuck all time now to really kind of tune into shit. Everyone's doing a million things at once. And I'm sure that was in your mind when you were putting out this thing. But like, I guess committing to the thing is probably as big a deal as writing it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, how would, how would we say? It's an it was an extensive process. Uh, it really was. Uh, it was an emotional process, mm. uh, a tiring process, <laughs> uh, an everything process. I threw everything, literally everything, every drop of tear and sweat into it. Every three a.m. finishes and all nighters and you know putting weight on and <laughs> do, 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 do that sort of stuff. It was a really, it was a tiring process. I'm just happy now that it's kind of. I committed to it. And it and sounds remarkably yeah. soothing, which yeah, is the yeah. weird yeah. thing. It's just like yeah, effortless. That's, that's the funny thing. It, was so, gru- it was so grueling to make for me, all of this <laughs> yeah. stuff. Dude. I mean, it's really grueling, but it sounds so calming. Yeah. It sounds like I was like sitting on a cloud, you know, just eating marshmallows whilst, whilst uh, yeah. in reality, I was sitting on a metal, whatever, <laughs> eating crisps that makes no sense as well i mean if it, if, it, 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 if it is that hard to go through all that stuff at the end of the day like would you prefer that it's easier or would you rather that it's that hard so that you really kind of value it at the end? um i i think i'm, I'm gonna go with the hardness <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 it just I, it, it's get, worth it, like it gets it. it gets more out of me yeah, like, yeah, yeah it gets more out of me and uh, i think if it was too easy i'd probably sit in my laurels a bit too much i like i like being under pressure when when i'm making it <laughs> Mm. Um, Did you set yourself like a self-imposed deadline of this has to be done by this time? Not really. Okay. Not really. As in, I kind of there was a point. <clears throat> there was a point maybe two, two, maybe two months ago when I kind of made this decision to do this. Um, there was a point where I kind of thought to myself, okay, maybe I'm going to leave this until January or February or something like that. But I got it done on time. It was sitting there. I was a little bit kind of. Uh, I wasn't hesitant at all to put it out. Really, by the end of it, mm-hmm. by the end of my thought process of whether I was going to put it in or not. And I just decided, right, that's it. It's going out. Simple Great. as that. And got in touch with Goggy, my manager, and decided, yeah, it's uh, it's on its way. <laughs> I'm not going to wait any longer because I'll just end up getting... My, my main worry, actually, is that I was going to get a little bit bored with it. So I needed to get it out ASAP because sure. my mind works a little bit like that. Yeah. If I listen to something over and over and over and over again... I'll get a little bit bored with it and move on to something else. I guess, I mean, like going back you to know. kind of what he was kind of hinting at there, and not to put too fine a point on it, but like I think it's something that we never really kind of explore or talk about because a lot of us wouldn't necessarily have, we wouldn't necessarily know the intimacy of being a musician, particularly a solo one. Now, I know you have a band, but obviously like it all comes from you like mm. as a baseline. So, I mean, is it a case of like, do you have to fucking isolate yourself and like have these late nights and these bang your head off the table moments that are, that are 
quote unquote unconventional. I mean, and 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 make it difficult for yourself emotionally and be able to like because obviously coming back from yeah. that has to be as important as going there, right? Well, kind of the reasoning behind even the, the title, Dormant Boy. Mm. It was literally me sitting in a room on my own in the kitchen in a front room in my bedroom, whatever, wherever as quiet as that night, and just making making it. it. I definitely did have to kind of tuck myself away and and shut myself into a corner and just just do it. You know what I mean? Mm. I needed to kind of be secluded in a sense. You know what I mean to make it. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely prefer to be a bit more isolated when I'm when I'm doing it, and I kind of. Like you said, maybe uh, uh, like weekends, we'll say, were my thing. So Saturday and Sunday weren't my, you know, going out nights or going out days. It was my sitting in nights and sitting in days and, and, and making this record and mm. putting, like I said, putting everything into it, you know. So definitely preferred to be a lot more isolated. Well, I think you, you can know. hear it in the end results. And like, despite that kind of heaviness there, as Craig noted, it is a very relaxing listen. Yeah. It does kind of uh, go into your, your, your pores and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's so, absorbing. Uh, and it's out now. It's out now if you listen yes. to this podcast on Strangely Records. And if you're in Dublin on this Friday, go see the gig upstairs in Whelan's. Uh, Rory, proper micro interview. Thank you for coming to Norcor. Thank you. Congratulations. Cheers. Congratulations on the album release. Thank you. And that was Proper Micro Envy. Thanks so much for coming in, Rory. We'll speak to you again soon. But first, time for an album. Now, I've been critical of this band. I used to love this band, and I spent the last week listening to this band. It is, of course, Muse. was Algorithm, the kind of song you would expect Muse to come out with, at least the song title, <laughs> that's for sure, <laughs> off their, I want to say, eighth album at this stage, I mean, album, Simulation yeah. Theory, <laughs> another title that, again, I mean, writes itself at this stage. Now, I guess the fact that I had to struggle there to remember what album this was gives you some indication of Muse, because I genuinely used to love this band, guys, I really, really did, I was a huge fan, uh, I came to them on the second album. Origin of Symmetry when I heard Plugin Baby via Kerrang and thought it was amazing loved that album adored it and then bought all the rest you know up until a certain point saw them live in 2006 on the Black Holes and Revelations tour in The Point and it was amazing I adored it bought myself a fucking Muse hoodie it was great great night great night out great band and then I went to college and they released The Resistance and it was a terrible album I gave it one star when I was trying to cultivate myself as a college writer. And obviously all that edge is gone now, as we know, from from recent writings I've been doing. And it just kind of got worse from there. I mean, they really, really like disappeared so far up their own arse that it became a problem. They released the album The Second Law and I was anticipating absolute mayhem and murder and it was okay. I think Panic Station is a great pop song in the vein of Queen. And I think Madness is a secret late Muse era gem. So you never fully give up on them. But then you you get to an album like Drones. And Drones is a bad album, guys. (laughs) It's a bad album. It's, yeah. There's no way, of, you can't sugarcoat it, it's a terrible album. Uh, Cullum saw them live on that tour and said they still got it from a performance point of view. That's what they do now. They're all about UFOs and in the round and <laughs> queen bullshit and all that kind of stuff. So you come to a Muse album in 2018 with a sense of dread, a sense of fear, especially when you've seen the Kavinsky bullshit they've been three or four years late to in their kind of 80s repurposing. Even M83 did it a while ago and it wasn't good then. Mm-hmm. The I mean, there's no shock here. 
this isn't a good album. It's better than Drones, because you know, it's a small mercies, but what shocked me about this album was just how tired it is now. How flat, how boring, how almost kind of pointless. It doesn't even feel like someone doing a parody of Muse, because you feel like they'd be a bit more bombast. Yeah. This just felt like a contract obligation or something. Like, where's the life? Where's anything? <laughs> it's it's so strange because like, even I, I felt like, okay, so like there's that 80s thing, which again, as you correctly allude to, it's completely like outdated, the, the kind of the comeback thing. You could even see on the artwork, I think the straight the guy who did the Stranger Things artwork did yeah. this artwork and everything. And it's kind of like, it's just, it's almost cliche at this point. But then oh, like- Oh no, it's not almost cliche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucking cliche. They're verging on cliche. Borderline, borderline cliche. They're flirting with it. Um, but like- like, but and that's all fine. And the first track comes out of the gate, and it's like, okay, well, this is exactly what we expect from this artwork. Mm. And then the second track, but then slowly over time, it just descends into all these like random songs that that like that kind of eighties motif thing only just comes in as little kind of suggestions in certain parts. Like, uh, like I, I don't know, pressure feels like a completely different thing to the rest. And then like as it goes down along, what a weird you get as song. Far as, like something human, which is just I do not understand that song at all. I thought it was like the weirdest thing in the world. It doesn't even seem like a Muse song and the thing it's quite interesting that you said about the the contract obligation thing because it feels to me like even the I mean this this album is like this big long album where it has like these alternate reality versions towards the end there's a super deluxe version with like 21 tracks in total yeah. I think this one has like 12 in total like yeah. non super deluxe or whatever the fuck but the alternate like the alternate one like the alternate reality versions would almost be a braver move than the stuff that they actually put in I agree and it feels like uh, the ones that they put in are kind of they should almost be just live versions that they do for these massive well, they're tours they're clearly writing for, for big arenas like, like, yeah. like they, they became a live band at a certain stage yeah and it affected them because I don't quite know what Muse have to offer outside of just like wacky conspiracy theory tinfoil hat nonsense which Matt Bellamy is obviously very very into and I guess virtuoso guitar heroics and you know theatrical bombast mixed in with heavy production skills but again even all of that feels like you've gone too little yeah. to get your Muse album as opposed to fucking, I don't know, yeah. Iceland or something. With drone, like Drones was... Mark think, Suspense would have been a better Yeah, <laughs> Drones was, became something of like a, a total punchline for this show. I think around the time we started, it was just like uh, ridiculous. Every kind of lyric, every song title. And when Thought Contagion arrived, I was like, oh yeah. I, I was a fan. I was a fan of Muse up until about Absolution. Not a, a diehard fan. Um, I just actually they started boring me around the resistance I steered clear of the EDM stuff and then drones um, <laughs> happened so I came to this less with a sense of dread of like remembering their past glories and more just like oh yeah this will probably be entertaining for the wrong reasons um, it's not entertaining for the wrong reasons because they've kind of it does feel like they're pulling their punches or they're They've looked into the the abyss with drones of just like, here's the most cliched version of what we can do. We need to get people back on side. We need to play the pop game. You've got like Timbaland production here. Yeah. Um, there's Tropical House popping up, yeah. um, which weirdly for me kind of works. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I actually thought something human kind of worked compared to some of the stuff around Oof, it. There's a song in your code. Yeah, like, I think no, when he doesn't. goes into ballad mode, I actually think that works for Matt Bellamy because he's just so po-faced and Have sincere. You heard that? I know you said that you- it's like It's like a kind of One Republic B-side. 
which kind yeah. of worked for me. And that, Crazy but that one indeed. and Pressure both have these kind of pop elements to them, where it's pressure almost kind like of for Pressure me almost seems like a radio single, which feels very rare. Pressure, Again, terrible. Pressure's like going to like, a fucking spin class with an instructor who keeps looking at you. It's <laughs> just so fucking confusing. So, okay, I know you said that you skipped the EDM era, but like, have you heard Madness? That's not Yeah, that. I have. That's I mean, a, I just wasn't like, you know, that's a wearing song. out the album. Kind of rips off you too, I believe, but it's a great song. Um, there's a song here called Break It To Me. And yeah. it has like a kind of a like swagger, sexy guitar line that like you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if they're going to develop it. Oh no, it's just a plug-in. Okay, cool. <laughs> there's there's moments where they actually get back into their kind of blues bag a bit, and you have some decent guitar things, but they're very constrained. It weirdly reminded me of some of U2's kind of latter day stuff in terms of like songs for innocence or songs of innocence, for example, where. They clearly had these songs that they were happy with, but then they thought, okay, we need to stay relevant in terms of chart stuff. We'll get in pop producers. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of put this gloss on it. Muse have kind of done that here. Um, some of it's like up to date and, you know, Tropical House stuff. Some of it is, yeah, Kavinsky and like, where have they been for the last yeah. seven years? They're doing this now. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't quite understand what they're going for. I will say there's moments where it's a fun enough listen. Uh, it's And it's not really kind of fun to talk about because it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. cringy in the way drones was like blockade sounds down. like a muse song if you know yeah, what I mean like it yeah. just like, and then get up a fight I think is okay but then it gets ruined by kind of that weird vocal sample that it's got in yeah, so. no, but Craig like, like this is a very difficult album to review you're kind of nailing it because like what what can you really say like yeah. it, there's nothing inspiring about it I'm, I'm actually like, I'm currently looking up like the general consensus in the reviews like, like so, even when there's a or sorry a slight run of songs where you're like I feel like they're getting back to something here and they're not mm. just being like Illuminati bullshit like it is obviously <laughs> random muse lyric generator where yeah, but yeah. I, I felt like it was easier to kind of he was being vague enough that I wasn't just constantly going, oh, Jesus, that's a clanger, that's a clanger, that's I a I thought clanger. it was very immature. I thought it was very, like... Well, <laughs> yeah, but Muse are always, like, they've no, always but, been immature. Yeah, but again, like, they're getting older. They should be, like, trying to rein it in a bit. No, yeah, some just, people just don't. It's politically paranoid <laughs> bollocks. Like, I mean, it's just like, we've heard it all before. And again, even, I, like, hardcore Muse fans, I think are just, like, kind of being like, yeah, we'll take what we can get at this stage. Maybe we can go see them again. Maybe, maybe they'll play fucking, like, Citizen Erased or something and we can justify this ticket price. But that's probably not going to. They're probably going to play this. What was kind of great about them when they first started was they were exercising, I guess, like, teenage boy fantasies of just, like, the guitar heroics and just being bombastic mm-hmm. and really reveling in being a rock band. And as you say, when you don't move on from that, what is left but weird to bombast? become the rock band that you were kind of taking the piss out of. But here's the thing. Like, the weird thing with Muse is I've never understood whether they get the joke or how much they get the joke of what they're doing do they look at that cover and go that is kick ass that's fucking a really artistic statement or are they thinking like oh yeah what we're doing is a wink wink blah 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 this is like exactly what like are they in on the joke and I don't know if that changes the experience of the music. It probably doesn't. But I wonder. I would Matt say, doesn't seem that self-aware to me. I would say gun to the head, they're in on the joke. I think in particular the drummer would be in on the joke. I, I, <laughs> the I, drummer I, always is, Dave. But I, <laughs> yeah, we're usually the smartest guy in the room. Uh, Chris Wollstenholme, who presumably is waiting for his call up to the England squad with a fucking name like, like that, uh, is probably just like, I'm here to play bass. It's fine. I don't know. I mean, like, the, no, I mean, like, yeah. Bellamy has obviously got notions. As I hate that expression. Why did I use it? Um, <laughs> he's got ideas above his station. <laughs> to quote the title of the Hundred Reasons debut album. Um, but I just I remember like watching a DVD of them back in the day, and like they nicked Corey Taylor's mask from Slipknot once when yeah. they were both on the UK tour. 
and they happened to be crossing over the same venue or something. I don't know what, quite what it was. Mm. A bit of a fucking dick move as well. Like the drummer like had the mask, and in the video he's completely ripping the piss out of them. He goes, he goes, so they're all there on stage, right? And he goes, fucking nine of the fuckers, yeah. And I grab this mask, and like he just thieved it, and he puts it on, and he starts like doing like a very similar to your Corey Taylor Slipknot impression. And Matt Bellamy is howling with laughter doubled over mm. and like this is this is like what 16 years ago they're younger they're on tour probably like you know indulging in some stuff that isn't just a fucking wikipedia deep dive about the large hadron collider <laughs> or whatever passes for fun on the muse space bus these days so i think there was definitely there was a guy in there who was a bit of a relatable human being even with his fucking spiky pink hair but at the same time it's all gone, man. It's it's all gone. They're gone. They're useless now. They're fucking useless. I wouldn't even go see them just to try and hear the, the old hits. I got them at a decent time when they were transitioning from a band with a bit of edge to a more pop-focused act, and now they've just decided to fucking get into outer space. And for me, this album is boring. It's a chore, and I'm done with Muse. I said it before, and uh, here I am again. It's a 3 out of 10. Go away. Yeah, I can't even recommend this album to a Muse fan or to anybody, so I put it down to 3 as well. That's the thing, like, do we want to, uh, obviously we kind of want neither, but do we want a drones where they're kind of really going to the nth degree of that ridiculousness, or do we want, like, Imagine Dragons impersonations want, that we have on tunes. this? Do you know like, what I mean? There's no, just no tunes in this thing. Yeah. Like, there's no it's, good tracks. It's a five for me because it's perfectly passable and I couldn't really laugh at it, so, um, and there's a few moments. I do think Tropical House is the future for Muse, <laughs> and that's my final word on the matter. <laughs> But is it the future for music? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't feature in our songs of the week. Craig, give us a number. (laughs) Number two, please, Dave. It's Earl Sweatshirt. He's got nowhere to go. Short burst from Earl. I really like it. I really like it too. I love a short burst like that when you're waiting for an album and really anticipating it. It's just under two minutes, and there's so, like it's there's so much packed in there. It's yeah. this swirling fog of it's Sonic Apex sweatshirt. Is how I, I like sonically to me, it sounds like almost like an emergency room thing. Like there's yeah. weird stuff going on. It's like an out of body experience, and he's mumbling, but so charismatically, and it's so densely layered and. I mean, I love his delivery even when he's, it sounds like he's not trying. And in terms of the rhymes and the lyrics, I mean, like my leaving third English teacher would have loved this. Like he's so talented. The internal rhymes, everything. He's just a gifted dude. Um, yeah, like uh, there's no indication whether this is going to be part of this kind of big release that everybody seems to yeah. be waiting for, right? But if if this is an indication and say the little snippet that we got in the album review last week from Staples, mm. um, if that's any indication, that album is going to be absolutely incredible. Could be. Um, yeah. This thing is this thing is amazing. Like again, like I'm saying, like it, it has massive Apex Twin moments. It really, really does feel like that. But yeah. that's a, a really good thing. Like I remember when this came out, the day this came out, Kendrick Lamar was kind of posting it, going like, "Holy shit!" This is the thing um, like it's completely different to anything else that's there and even 
we said about the Vince Staples record last that it was kind of like this is a bit more closer to what we're used to with hip hop and the stuff before this with Vince Staples was like kind of pushing the boundaries. Yeah. I mean, this is going all all out. Like this is really pushing boundaries, and that's massively exciting for rap music. I think I was extremely impressed by it. It's razor sharp, and it, it mm-hmm. brought me in every time. I love how short it is because it brings you back to it. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's daring. It's different, and it's really fucking good. And it's made me kind of realize I've been I've been sleeping on our sweatshirt, and I should probably stop doing that. Die, give us a number. Uh, I'll go for number one, please. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's the return of Andrew Hosier Byrne, also known as Hosier. This song is called Movement. I can recall something that's gone from me. When you move, honey, I'm putting all something so flawed and free. So move me, baby. Shake like the Big if, fan, I'd say. I'd if, say you're a big fan of this. If you yeah. missed our episode <laughs> entitled New World Order, in which Dahi officially joined the dance, I want to say about, what, six weeks ago now? Something like that. Uh, we reviewed Nina Cried Power at the start of the show, uh, in particular the lead single and title track. Didn't hold back. Got a bit of heat for that, and I'm okay with it, because again, roll of the critic. Now, <laughs> as regards this, um, before it gets to the chorus, I thought, this sounds like a Dermot Kennedy song. And in a good way, by the way. A good way. Yeah. yeah. I thought it sounds like a decent Dermot Kennedy build. And then that fucking gospel piano comes in because Hozier can't leave his gaff without <laughs> letting us know that he's going to church. And I was like, Yeah, I'm bored now. And I was bored now. It had promise, it lost it. It's fine, it's better than anything on Nina Cried Power, but it's beige. Yeah, that, that's exactly how I felt. I I was actually enjoying that build. I thought it kind of quite worked for me. I thought there was a decent song in there. And then just the musical choices. He just it's, fell back in his ways, man. It feels awkward. It's such an awkward, jarring thing. It just, it feels like the song trips over itself. There's in, uh, a kind of an interesting chord change which doesn't work whatsoever for me at a certain point and then we're just off to, yeah, the weird, gospely thing of like, and the, like lyrically this is How's your mansplaining dancing? It's about damn time, isn't it? I mean, he's back to the kind of, you know, um, love and relationships as like a sacrament and stuff, which is, you know, interesting territory sometimes. Um, But in this case, I don't know, just the lyrics didn't do much for me whatsoever. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's it's very much if you're a fan of Hosier, you're going to really like this track. It has yeah. everything that you want. It takes if you're all into the boxes. Hosier, it's got from, that yeah. quiet Hosier to loud Hosier, and it's got all that stuff. I think I agree. It is probably um, one of the best out of this one. And Nina Cried Power, I think there's one or two that are probably a little bit better in the Nina Cried Power record. Um, again, like you know what you're going to get with Hosier. I think that's kind of the takeaway here. Is like if you like Hosier, you're going to like this track. I like some of his stuff, but I just I can't buy personally the kind of smoldering. Hosier where it's like I'm now doing central music it just doesn't work for me it kind of reminds me of when an arcade fire try to be a bit fun and do some dancey stuff and they've got this weird kind of puritanical thing about them that always makes it feel like they're playing dress up Mm. so what you're saying is he doesn't sell this song to me what you're saying is Hosier's not really fuck music yeah (laughs) yeah not for me (laughs) (laughs) but if it's for you Enjoy, yeah, yeah go have, for it. Have a great time. Craig, give me a number. <laughs> number three, please, Dad. <laughs> yes, it's Kendrick Lamar and Pharrell from the upcoming Creed 2 soundtrack, which is extremely stacked. This one's called The Mantra. They will not get none, no. 
Then my light switch. Then my light switch. What a crisis. My Blacksville with no license. No license. I was lifeless. I was dead weight. I was trifling. I was trifling. Then my eye twitched. Then my hair shook. And my fist barred. Then my right wrist took a wrist for us. Saw lightning. Then made titans. I was trifling. What a pitchfork. We ate your food. Craig, you're all about mantras. You did a bit of a yoga and all that kind of jazz. <laughs> yeah. And there um, used to be um, a nightclub I went to called Mantra. How many times were you barred from there? Never, never once. Really? Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was different like This was in Minute, yeah. yeah. I was barred from the nightclub oh, yeah, I worked in, but that was all friendly joshing because I knew the staff. <laughs> barred from the nightclub that you worked in? Everyone was. It was leak slop. It was 2007. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> okay, so Creed 2 is coming out at the end of the month. Uh, I'm a big fan of Creed. I think it's a great movie. Uh, I think the sequel is probably not going to be as good. But they're putting a lot into it. This soundtrack is going to fucking rival Black Panther. Mm-hmm. It really the, is. Some of the names on here. Uh, it's produced by Mike Will Made It. Uh, he produced this track. And once again, it is proof positive that when Kendrick Lamar wants to be good on a song, he is he is really fucking good yeah. on a song. And like, Pharrell holds his own, I think. This is that, That's kind of the most interesting takeaway from this track is hearing Pharrell doing something different. It's not happy Pharrell. It's not happy Pharrell. And it's cool. Like It actually sounds really, really cool. It actually took me a while to realize that it was actually Pharrell on the track. Um, of course, as usual, Kendrick just blows everything out of the water as soon as he comes on. It's There's really like good. He's 20 so good different. This. I think I counted like 20 different flows, like one after another, like... <laughs> Four different voice changes, like oh, it's just so good and definitely worth a listen. Like one of the best tracks this this week for sure. Yeah, I like how he, you know, occasionally with Kendrick, he doesn't always knock it out of the park because occasionally he'll do a feature feature or something, and you're kind of like, oh, was this, this is his thing. phone. No, but it's usually on like a Maroon Five. And song. Then, yeah, and it sounds like it was recorded in a booth. He wasn't even listening to the fucking reference track or whatever. On this, I love how he bounces off the beat. He switches yeah. up so much. It's a really dynamic performance. Again, yeah, totally like Pharrell. It does not sound like Pharrell. It's really refreshing. It's mm-hmm. very good. Um, Production-wise, though, overall, it felt a bit by numbers. Like, it was a bit trapped by numbers. It's kind of that spooky-sounding thing. Yeah, it's not it's the most It's a bit cookie-cutter, yeah. yeah. But the, the performance... The, the vocal right. performances, yeah, yeah make Carry it. Carry through, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, give us a number, Craig. Four, please, David. It's Anderson Pack. That album's coming soon. And here's another taste from it. It's called Who Are You? Now, who are you? I don't know, know what you do. Swimming through the process and you can't see me on the likeness. You could proceed, but precaution, give the proceeds to my god kids. Hold on to my conscience. Same nigga, my pop is. Lame niggas wanna pop shit. Get drop kick, buy drop kick. Why you gotta lie to me so much, babe? You tell me the same shit that you told. What's his name? If it don't work out, I go back to hustling. Couple hundred thousand up in my mother's name. Peace, what peace? Niggas talk about don't shoot. Tell that to police. Mm. Scared and underprepared. Like so, yeah. We've reviewed a couple of tracks now, I think, yeah. off this one. Uh, Oxnard is the album coming very soon. Mm. And I've been kind of trepidatious about it. I've been saying, I think he's having a bit too much fun. It's a bit too light and breezy. Uh, where's the depth? Now, this is still light and breezy, but it's the best of the bunch so far for me. I agree. I think this is very good. Yeah. This it's, is very, very it's good. really, really good. <laughs> and like, even, you know, it still has that Anderson Pack kind of flow and still has that kind of energy, but it's the beats that make it really interesting, I think. It's kind of it looks like there's been just a lot of thought put into how his voice will work off a rhythm um, and it's just really really nice and it's, it's, it's an absolute jam I would it's say it's a fucking jam certified jam it's a Dre beat which is like it sounds yeah. it sounds like a vintage Timbaland beat to me because mm-hmm. it has that futuristic from the early 2000s kind of vibe to it um, but it does like I think Dre deserves a lot of credit for I was a big fan of the Compton album which it was well reviewed but I think kind of passed a lot of people by it's a great album it is uh, but I think it's like a testament 
testament to his ability to move at the times. Now, obviously, he releases stuff what once once every ten years, fifteen years. But every time he does, it's incredible to go from NWA, the Chronic, and then hear the kind of quite current stuff he's doing now. A beat like this is like it sounds very fresh, and yet it has the kind of hallmarks of his stuff. I think yeah. maybe rhythmically, it has that kind of. Mm-hmm. Stamp that Dre stamp. He's a real craftsman, and Anderson Pack always delivers. I mean, he's just a kind of really infectious talent. Um, Huge fan of this, and yeah. it has resurrected my interest in the album. Which, of course, I definitely have the interest in the album because Malibu is one of the best albums of the last few years. No worries, is great as well. I know it's going to be good, but I'm just worried about how good it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I um, think like Tints was kind of oh, it's just a light party song. I, I'm hoping that's not indicative of the rest of the record. I think, I think it will be. I, I think it's going to be a bit of a breezy number for him, and I could be completely wrong. Mm. Uh, we're going to know pretty soon. When is it out? It again? could be out now. Like it's one of those things where. Where it's either this week or next week. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. like en route. So I'm looking forward to it. And now to close out the songs of the week this week, we're going to usher in another round of Dave and Dahi review a film. <laughs> but there's a twist this time. But first, the song, of course, is by Shade. Shade. Uh, what's the Alan Partridge Shade guy? This is definitely a sh- Oh, like, there is. Yeah. I it's don't know. fucking oh, great. No. I'll look it up. Look it up listen, while you yeah. uh, we'll have a listen to some of Shade's new song. <laughs> it's called The Big Unknown. It's from a film. We're going to talk about that film. Right after this. So yes, that was Shade, and she's back with The Big Unknown, which I guess is about death, coming from a film that has a lot of death in it. The film's called Widows. We'll get there in a second, Dai, because Dai saw it before I did, and then I saw it. Please and we, tell me you didn't like this film. We're going to talk about oh, it. No. Let's talk about the song first, shall we? I think the song is very, very good. I think the song is um, a bit of a good microcosm of Shade, and also, I guess, it's associated with this film, because it's melodramatic as fuck, mm-hmm. uh, while also being contained in a rainy room, and that's why I liked it. I think it's good, man. She's good at writing songs, right? Am I right? Yeah? Yeah. Um, Sade kind of perfected that quiet storm um, genre in the 80s. And it's interesting now how much kind of credit the band and herself are getting as like an influence on... Like, she's really entered the canon of greats, which I think for years you never really heard much about Sade. I never heard much at all. Yeah, like, it's, it kind of seemed like... I guess at the time in the 80s, a lot of what she was doing, like, this kind of stuff was all over the radio. So maybe it wasn't that remarkable. But when you see how that sound has been adopted by, like, Drake just absolutely adores her. The Weeknd, certainly. I mean, you could hear kind of the roots of The Weeknd in stuff like this, most definitely. A lot of actually male artists. And how kind of refreshing it is, uh, to a certain extent, and influential and not like a lot that's around. Um, So she's still just doing her thing. But I think people have come to, it's just kind of, it's an evergreen thing now. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was nice. I, I don't know. I kind of it faded into the background every time I listened to it, which might be the kind of point. I think maybe yeah. um, very relaxing song kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Fare <laughs> into the background. Into Fare. the background. Right. Uh, let's do this. So, Widows is the new film by Steve McQueen, and I have been very hyped about seeing it all year since I saw the first trailer. Heard about the cast is utterly insane. Craig, the cast you know, is amazing. You know about this film, Craig? 
No, I, I've heard bad things. Well, hang on. So where does, right? <laughs> well, it has a 95% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So here's the cast, right, as I can remember it, right? Colin Farrell, Liam Neeson, John Bernthal, Elizabeth Debicki, Michelle Rodriguez, Viola Davis, Cynthia Irvo, uh, Carrie, Carrie Coon, Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya, Brian Tyree Henry, Robert Duvall, Garrett Dillahunt. Uh, there's probably some others. Mm-hmm. It's a stacked cast. It Steve McQueen, cast. who, of course, made 12 Years a Slave, Shame and Hunger... I guess everyone wants to work with them. It's written with Gillian Flynn, who wrote Gone Girl. It's based on a Linda LaPlante soap opera from the 80s that aired on ITV. And let me tell you, my friends, it's a fucking mess. Yes! <laughs> Thank God. It's, it's getting such good reviews. Mess. People are so into it. Uh, it's ridiculous. I I left. First, like, I don't want, you left? No, no, I left. I don't, no, I don't walk out. Oh. It was a walk out, though, after half an hour. Was it really? Uh, I left the cinema thinking, I was like, eh, me and Higgs went to see it, of course, on our Tuesday night cinema dates, which I adore. And <laughs> I. Sorry, Dahi. Feeling some tension in the room. Dahi saw it a week prior. I don't even didn't get invited, Dahi. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and Dahi said to me, it it's wasn't, the, wasn't me to invite. Dahi said to me, it's the worst film that he's seen all year. And I thought, well, we'll see about that and essentially I wouldn't go that far uh, for starters it's much better than fucking Black Klansman which I know you're a big fan of that, yeah, it doesn't that, like that film's thing. terrible so hang on as regards to this film uh, black people is it? yeah absolutely <laughs> carrying through <laughs> yeah I am Robert Duvall's character in Robert Duvall by the way I'm not sure he's compost mentis anymore I don't, I don't need to see that guy on the screen his delivery was really erratic so the film Craig it's a crime drama um, it's as, a heist film it's, a, it's, not, po- no, it's not a heist film it's not a heist film but it's, it's sold as a heist film I was film. a big yeah, yeah. fan of the ITV original where are you? Yeah, TV, no, TV no. <laughs> I've never was seen it. A TV it. series or a film? TV yeah, series. series. Yeah, Two yeah. series on ITV back in the 80s. Uh, and essentially, okay, so uh, Dahi is correct. This film does open with some insane Liam, Liam Neeson. Should not be allowed kiss on screen. I'm saying that right now. Action. It's, it's insane. Tongue. It may be incredible. Oh my God, man. Neeson he, tongue. Ballymena. Like, taken tongue. Oh, <laughs> and it's like just literally just zoomed in on his face. And he's like, like he's like, oh, oh my it, God. It's, <laughs> It is. Dis- it's really grim. I was eating ice cream, <laughs> and I didn't finish it. It's awful. It's you really didn't like the ice cream. No, I did not. I left a bowl of it's liquid. Really uncomfortable. And there's like, a, I think there's like every so often, like it sets up this thing where every single time Liam Neeson comes back on screen, you're like, you're wincing, waiting for him to he's kiss gonna again. Do it. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna and do like, it. It's so distracting for the rest of the film because it's just like, it's just like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. and he does it once or twice, and like there was guys beside me just going like, oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> so yeah, essentially it's about uh, Liam Neeson has a gang of robbers. They all get killed in the opening sequence. That's why there's flashbacks. And there's spoiler, um, and the, the widows have to take on the job led by Viola Davis, who by the mm-hmm. way is a fucking brilliant treasure and is so good in phenomenal this. phenomenal yeah. actor. Uh, I desperately want her to have a leading role. That's actually in a good script this time because again, mm-hmm. guys, as always, the script, the script, the script. The that script, was the problem. The, the script is a massive problem. It's yeah. a mess. And, no, but also the problem is Steve McQueen. He's a hack director. I don't care if he's fucking prestigious and Oscar winning. His films are paced terribly, and he has gimmicks that he puts into all of his movies that aren't interesting. And essentially, this was a mess. They don't even start like planning the heist for like an hour and ten minutes in. It, like, it has, yeah, it has and, no sense of pace or direction. And even there's there's barely any planning. Like, it, no. it, it's, it's not a heist film, and no. people are kind of saying it's this the kind best of best heist film since Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it's like this no, idea no, was like where he's using the genre of the heist to kind of say something more important. But Jeez. it's just cliche written from top to Dude, bottom. Dude, it is so fucking on the nose. I don't want to get into mad spoilers yeah, here. Yeah, you can't get into spoilers. But, but like, it's what's, so what's he trying like, to say? Well, there's the a there's, general. Well, okay. Well, he's trying to say a lot of things, and one thing he tries to say involves a flashback sequence, and that was. I'm pretty sure my jaw is still on the floor in Rathmines. I'm just going to say Not it. Not bowl of liquid. I know, I'm, I'm going to say it. Here's a spoiler for Widows, okay? No, so, no, 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 don't, 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 don't say it. Don't ruin it for me. Don't ruin it for Okay, fine, 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 fine. No spoilers, but you'll know the moment and, yeah, you, and I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, 
believe what I was seeing. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, there's another thing that happens in the film at some stage, and I actually was like confused by the direction because the direction's really bad. And I went, wait, hang on, is that actually? And I was like, oh my god, really, really? Yeah. Why yeah. is that happening? That's just stupid. The, the more twist, it goes on, is it? Or the, like, yeah, there's a, yeah. there's a twist. You can probably figure it out now. But like when it happens, I was like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just and no. it's directed really badly, so terribly, you barely even know what's terribly happening. Terribly directed, it's confusing, and then it amounts to nothing. But, but uh, and characters even, make increasingly dumb decisions the more it goes on, including yeah. one character who goes from being like this fucking ice cold villain to like getting taken out like a fucking chump. I was like, <laughs> what is this? This sounds like almost entertainingly bad. No, it's not. It, no, 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 because it, no, because it, it is, takes itself too seriously. Uh, that's okay. the thing. And also, yeah. to be fair, like you know, not even not even Steve McQueen and a bad script can can fuck up the cast because the cast. Danny Clue is amazing. Danny Clue is fantastic. Uh, uh, Garrett Delahunt is also very he's good. great he's kind of misused uh, but Colin he, Farrell is wasted Colin like, Farrell is his a, character is just pointless. so bad pointless, like, pointless. A, a corrupt politician and he just a bad accent as well uh, there's a mo- there's a moment where Liam Neeson and Colin Farrell is like talking on a boat and like they both have the worst American accents and they're just bouncing off each other just like oh lads oh, come no, on they take both, it home they both do it there are moments when they go from being like you know I grew up in this borough <laughs> you're like where that come from uh, Brian Tyree Henry doesn't get enough play like Viola Davis is fantastic and I'm very happy to see Michelle Rodriguez in a prestige film uh, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Debicki's really good Cynthia Erivo is the star Carrie of this Coon's movie wasted Carrie Coon's best actors why in... would you hire Carrie Coon and give her that role uh, Cynthia Erivo who's an actor I wasn't familiar with previously shows up and steals the show but yes, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a mess the script is a mess and the more I thought about it, the more annoyed I got about it the more holes I saw in it and the more I thought no and everyone is fucking falling over themselves saying it's amazing it isn't I'm sorry it isn't I apologise it's not and also there's an element to this as well where it's like oh it's great to see women in these roles it fucking is is, but give them better films. This isn't a yeah. good film. Maybe it's because I've seen films like you know my whole life with lads, and a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of good films, a lot of bad films. I don't want there to be a fucking novelty to seeing four strong women on the screen. Give them a better fucking script. Viola Davis is an incredible actor, mm-hmm. incredible, and she sells the fuck out of this movie. She does, but she's hampered by the fact that like, oh, her character's a uh, her character wears nice clothes and jewelry all the time. Do you know why? Because she's wealthy. And there's all this weird stuff like kind <laughs> we of we get it, and you see it in the trailer and stuff. It's like people don't think we have the balls to do it, and everything is based around this idea that like these women are going to do this thing, but then they in the film they actually rely on all this stuff. I would love to see a film where it's like a proper heist film with women like. It didn't feel empowering at all. To I'd women, love to see say. women like fight ghosts and stuff. That's what I'd really like. To see. <laughs> That's what you really want to see. It's such uh, a shame. Like, because it, it would be great. You? It could have been amazing. It could have been amazing. Can I just see a film called Ghostbusters? Answer the call. What? <laughs> yeah, what? That's the problem. It could have been amazing. Um, also, the film also has uh, Lucas Has. He's in there as an oily, horrible creep. Um, it could have been amazing. It should have been amazing. But the script and the direction are all over the gaff, and that's a shame. I really wanted to like it, and I didn't. The song fits in pretty well, though. And that's the end of Songs of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what else have you been listening to this week? I've been listening to Smino's new album, Noir. He's a uh, Chicago MC, not quite rapper kind of artist. Um, it's, yeah, it's the second record. His first was kind of very promising, but it fell down a bit because it was quite intense and heavy and had that rap thing of I have to tell my intense life story and cram everything in this has a much lighter touch uh, it's more confident and he's a super talented dude with an excellent kind of singing voice We there's a lot of rappers now who are just reliant on doing that melodic thing he does it better than most and he's really worth checking out I think he's going to be a big 
Um, it's a pop week for Dahi. Um, I've been listening to a lot of that Billy Eilish that we mentioned at the start of the um, the show. When the party's over, that new track that she releases is absolutely incredible and a really good video. You should watch it out. Great video. Watch out yeah. for it. Another really good video um, that I missed at the from the start of the year, which was recommended to me, um, was uh, uh, Rosalia uh, Malamente, who's a Spanish flamenco um, pop artist who uh, is becoming absolutely massive right now. But her video for Malamente is pretty much lauded as the best of the year and again is totally worth checking out and is an absolute belter of a tune as well Alright, I'm listening to the fourth album by a band called Daughters, a band I was previously mm. unaware of, uh, I guess they're like a punk band but apparently they changed it up here and there The album is called You Won't Get What You Want It came on my radar because I just saw a review of it and I thought I'll give that a go and I put it on the office while I was working on the weekend and I'm glad there was no one else in the office because this is a fucking weird album. I was uh, listening I actually listened to a bit of this and I was like, Jesus, this might be a Dave Henry joint. It's a Dave Henry joint. It's very intense, it's very strange, it's quite spooky and, and odd and unsettling, and I still don't quite know what I make of it too much from a critical point of view, but I will say it knocked me out and it felt like nothing else I've heard all year, and that's a recommend. Daughters, mm. you won't get what you want. Throw it on, headphones, and get scared. This episode of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Eve Murray. Next week on the show, uh, we'll probably welcome back Cullum. Who knows? Soft <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yeah, There'll yeah. be some of us back anyway. Yeah. We got. It's up to him. Uh, we'll also welcome guests on the show in the form of Tebby Rex, who I'm very much looking forward to having a chat with. And uh, that's the show, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. Woo. See you all soon. Exit Music, who else? Our guest today, Proper Micro Envy. You heard a snippet of it earlier on. The song is called Call Me What You Want. The album is called Dormant Boy. It's out now in Strange Brew Records. Go and check it out. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore, and I apologise to the Stripes.
Yeah, I need help. Is someone following me? Yeah. Uh, normality. Just, just go with it, man. Thanks. Call me what you want. Call me what you need to. Save me as you see. Save me as you need to. Call me what you want. Call me what you need to. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.